outward appearances can be definitely deceiving. You've often heard it said that you can't judge a book by its cover. And what it's saying is that just because something may look good on the outside doesn't mean that it's good on the inside. My grandmother on my dad's side used to say, all that glitters is not gold. What looks good on the outside does not always mean that it's good on the inside. How many times have you gotten a piece of corn from the farmer's market or something like that, and it looks good, and then when you get it home, you pull it back and you see that there is not only corn that you bought, but you bought worms. It looked good on the outside, but it was not good on the inside. That is really where we find ourselves in this portion of Scripture this evening where Jesus is talking about that things that can look good on the outside does not mean that there is vital life on the inside. That just because that might be something that looks the part doesn't mean that it is the part. See, outward activity does not indicate inward life. And Jesus here makes a denouncement in verses 18 through 20, and he denounces the nation of Israel for looking the part of a religious nation, looking like they were devoted to God, looking like they were uh, uh, following God, looking like they were uh, a religious people that loved God, but their lips said one thing, but their heart was in another direction. But I want you to see... Though Jesus gives us the denouncement, he gives us a warning about outward activity without inward life. He doesn't stop there because he's teaching us how we can have inward life. And if you have inward life, you will have outward activity. But just because you have outward activity does not mean you have inward life. And so he doesn't stop at the denouncement. And a matter of fact, if, if the nation of Israel would have heeded the denouncement and would have repented and, and would have had revival, they would have been okay, but they didn't. And so the denouncement serves more as a warning than as a damnation, uh, though the tree died. Because Jesus goes on and he gives, secondly, Jesus gives a direction. Take a look in verse 21, if you would, please. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, if ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, most commentators believe that was Mount Zion, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. What is, what is he doing? Jesus is giving his disciples the opportunity to see once again that he is a God of grace. See, Jesus is willing to give direction to those who heed his denouncement. He gives, he gives direction to those who are willing to repent of a lifeless religion. And to be honest with you folks, unless you and I were willing to repent of a lifeless type of Christianity, a lifeless type of religion, we're going to dry up just like the fig tree. Because you and I, we can only last so long without being plugged into the vine. He gives a direction. What does he give? First, he gives the direction of faith. 
He gives the direction of faith. He says, if ye have faith. Are you going to choose faith or aren't you? Because faith is a choice. You're either going to choose to follow God by faith and be obedient unto him or you're not. If you remember with me in Deuteronomy chapter 28, it deals with the blessings or cursings of the nation of Israel. Flip back there, if you would, please, in Deuteronomy chapter 28. It was whether they were going to live in the land of promise or not. It was whether they were going to obey God and live by faith or not. Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 1. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth. So if you're going, he's saying, so if you're going to obey, if you're going to live by faith, you're going to follow my word, you're going to, you're going to walk with me, then there's going to be a blessing. You're going to be in the land. But then take a look at verse 14, if you would, please. But if you disobey, if you're not going to choose to live by faith, you're not going to go in the direction of faith, and thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day to the right hand or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to, to observe, to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Cursed shalt, be, shalt thou be in the city, and cursed shalt thou be in the field. Cursed shalt thou be in the basket and thy store. Cursed shalt be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of the land, the, the increase of thy kind and the flocks of thy sheep. Cursed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and cursed shalt thou be when thou goest out. In verse 45, Moreover, shall all these curses come upon thee and shall pursue thee and overtake thee till thou be destroyed because thou hearkenest not unto the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes which he commanded thee. You know what he's saying? I'm going to curse everything that you have. When you see about the lands and the, the, the fruits and the, the cattle, you know what he's saying? That's economic. I'm going to touch you economically. And he says, I'm going to touch you physically with your children. I'm going to touch you with your enemies, with war. So if you're not willing to walk by faith, you're not willing to take the direction because you'd rather go in your own way. You'd rather have your religious activity instead of having inward life. But instead, Jesus says in our passage, have faith. It's not faith in faith. We're not having faith in faith. It's not faith in the way that you think or the way that I think. It's not faith in my ideas, my ambitions, or my dreams. Faith is placing your confidence, your trust in God. And by the way, faith is not hazy. Faith is not unclear. Faith is not cloudy. Faith is placing your trust in something you know to be true. It is believing that God has revealed himself to us. Faith is trusting in the revelation of God. What God says he's going to do. What God promises is going to come forth. What God says about himself is absolutely right. Who God is is who he says he is. 
See, this is the direction that Jesus is saying that one should move forward in, that we are to, we can, we can have this in our life. He's giving us this, this direction, and we're to take the direction of faith in our life. If we're going to have an inward life, if we're going to be more than just a tree with a bunch of leaves on it, but bearing fruit, we must be a people of faith. What is interesting is that every one of us has faith. Every one of us. And every one of us is trusting in something or someone. But we all have faith. See, as a fruit-producing Christian, that's placing their faith and confidence in God. They're placing their faith in the Word of God. Jesus is denouncing their religion. You've got all this outward activity, but really what's happening is you're not placing your faith in me. That's what they were doing. They look good spiritually, but they really were not walking by faith. And what does Scripture say about us? That we cannot please God, that it's impossible to please God if we are not a people of faith. We can't please Him. And so if we want to have an inward life that is vibrant, we want to have an inward life that is abounding, we want to have a life that is bearing fruit, we must be a people of faith. But Jesus doesn't stop at that direction. He says there's another direction you can go. The direction of doubt. If you have faith. If. He's not saying like, well, you might have it and you might not. He's saying, are you going to choose to exercise that faith? So when he says if, it's almost like, since you have faith and doubt not, then this will come to pass. But if you don't exercise that faith, you're never going to experience it. For example, a simple illustration, you've heard it before. I can believe all that I want that this chair is going to hold me up. And my legs could be, I could feel weak, I could feel dizzy. My legs could be shaking, I could feel faint. And I could know certainly that this chair will hold me up. But if I don't take the step to be able to walk over, have somebody help me if I'm that weak, and sit down, I'll never get to experience the rest that I need because I feel weak. So though I know it here, I won't experience it. And so what will happen is... I'd rather, I'm not so sure. I don't know about that. I don't know if it'll hold me up. I'm going to live in doubt. What's going to happen if I'm weak, if I'm faint, if, if something's going on my body, I'm going to end up collapsing and falling on the ground. And all of us have faith to be able to believe we can go in that direction or we can doubt. He says, and doubt not. The word doubt, doubting, doubtful is mentioned 25 times in scriptures in various ways. And in our passage, doubt has to do with hesitation of mind. It's like this. Let me illustrate it this way. This is the way that it would look. Okay, yeah, I believe God. Uh, no, I don't. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, I do. Oh, well, I, I don't know. Is he really going to come through? Well, I'll put it. It's like this. You ever been on a playground? The seesaw? That's what it is, the hesitation of mind. It's going back and forth, back and forth. And, it, and doubt not. What he's saying is, don't have that hesitation in mind. Instead, be like the little kid that doesn't know how to swim, 
but he's running off, uh, off the diving board in the deep end, and he's going to do a cannonball anyway because he knows his dad's there going to get him. Be like that kid. Just have complete confidence and have faith. Don't doubt. Don't go in the direction of doubt. Jump off the deep end. You've got nothing else to catch you except for dad. See, that's how we have a vibrant inward life. See, faith's not going to live where doubt reigns. Faith will not live where doubt reigns. This is what happens in the life of a believer. Doubt leads to disbelief and eventually to denial. If we choose the direction of not living by faith. Doubt unchecked. It's not that we don't have doubts. All of us have doubts. But doubt unchecked. If you continue to walk in the direction of doubt... See, you can't walk in the direction of doubt and of faith. It's impossible. You cannot walk in two directions at one time. It's physically impossible, and it's spiritually impossible. But if you walk in the direction of doubt, what will happen is you will start, it will start to lead you to disbelief, and then from disbelief, it will lead you to denial, and then from denial, it leads you to spiritual death. See, it's not that we don't doubt in our lifetime. Everybody doubts. Some people sometimes doubt their salvation. Sometimes people will doubt the reliability of Scripture. Sometimes people will doubt that God loves them. John the Baptist, who was called the greatest Christian, or the greatest man uh, to live by Christ, he doubted the identity of Jesus. When he was in jail getting ready to be headed, he said, "Is is this the Messiah or should we look for another? I mean, Jesus called this man the greatest man born to woman. And he doubted the identity of Jesus. See, just because you and I may not see God working in our circumstances is not a reason to doubt him. Your lack of spiritual insight and my lack of spiritual insight is not an indication that God is not working. Just because you cannot see God working does not give us a right to go in the direction of doubt. And if we are going to have a life that produces fruit and inward life, then we must have a life that is devoid of doubt. We're not going in that direction. When doubt comes, we turn from the doubt and we place our faith once again in the Word of God. You know why we doubt sometimes? Because we don't understand the ways of God. Sometimes we don't know the ways of God, so we doubt. But they're not legitimate reasons to doubt God. And Jesus encourages disciples, he says, and answered and said, Verily I send you, if you have faith and doubt not, and doubt not, is don't walk down that road. We have a decision to make this evening, every single one of us. You're either going to trust what God has said, or we're going to debate in our mind whether God can really do what he says he can do. You're going to have a debate in your mind. And guess what? When you start debating in your mind whether God can really do what he says he's going to do, most of the time, doubt wins out. Jesus' denouncement gives us a warning about the outward activity without an inward life, but then we're encouraged to go into the direction of faith in order to produce fruit. But uh, number three, 
Jesus answers the desire in verse 22. Jesus answers the desire. Take a look. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive them. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive them. We're talking about outward activity does not in indicate inward life. And so therefore we can have a lot of, of leaves with no fruit. Jesus says, I don't want that type of Christianity. What the type of Christianity that produces fruit is a faith-filled life. What else does he say? Letter A, the answer through prayer. The answer through prayer. Jesus is saying that you're going to have great power because of faith through the avenue of prayer. What does he say? Being able to move mountains. It's available to you. And it's through prayer that we see this power. I want you to turn to James chapter 4, if you will, please. You ever think, what's the activator of faith? What's the spark plug for faith? What, what's, what fuels faith? Feelings? You ever feel more faith-filled than at other times? Yeah. So, so what's the activator of faith? It's right here in our text. It tells us, you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive it. The activator of faith is petitioning God. It's prayer. See, it's not our will. It's not what we want that we're asking for. But it's in accordance to God's will. That, that's what he's saying here. That our inner life, we'll start producing fruit when what we're asking for is in accordance to God's will. Because look at what James 4, 3 says. Ye ask and receive not. Now, wait a second. <laughs> wait a second. Jesus said, if ye have faith and doubt not, ye not only do which is done unto this fig tree, but also ye shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast in the sea, it shall be done. All these things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. Wait a second. We got, we got a contradiction in the Bible. Jesus said, whatever you ask, believing you're going to receive, James says, ye ask and receive not. Now what are we going to do? I don't know. Well, I guess I didn't figure that one out, so let's close in a word of prayer. And, and <laughs> said, whoa, 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 wait a second, Pastor. We, we, we can't do that. We, we got to get an answer here. See, the reason for that is right in this text here, James 4, 3. Ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lusts. See, what Jesus is teaching here, that if we're going to have the inward life that bears fruit, that we ask, in a, we ask those things in accordance to his will. Turn to 1 John chapter 5, if you would, please. <clears throat> I can show you this from Scripture. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he heareth us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. 
John 14, 13 and 14 says, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. So Jesus answers the desire of being able to see the inward life produce fruit as we ask by faith in accordance to his will. But many times the reason that we don't see answers to prayer, the reason we don't see uh, fruit in our life is because we're asking amiss. I could say it this way. In prayer, we are to ask for those things that are consistent with who God is and what his purpose is. We are to ask for those things that are consistent with who God is. For example, Lord, would you please glorify yourself through my life? Would you please receive the glory for the work that I do on that line at XYZ Company today? Would you please be honored through my life as a housewife today that my kids can see your glory through my life? Do you think God would, would answer that prayer over, Lord, would you please help these brats to straighten up and listen to me? Lord, these kids are getting on my, my last nerve, and Lord, my boss is a real pain in the neck, and I, I pray that you would have boils from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. Or do you think the Lord would answer some prayer like this, and he'd be glorified, say, Lord, help me to be long-suffering and patient and gentle with that person who is giving me a hard time. You know it, Lord. See, that's where the inward life is starting to flourish, and then there's fruit, and not just religiosity, not just leaves. Jesus answers the desire through prayer, but then Jesus answers through the delivery. The answer through the delivery, he says, ye shall receive. This is a definite It's not that you might receive, it's that ye shall receive. Whatever you and I ask for in the name of Christ that is consistent with who he is, he's going to answer that. That is a promise. That is a promise. Oh, guess what? If you're trying to live the consistent Christian life and you're asking God to be glorified through your life, that people would see the glory of God through your life, That's consistent with who he is. Guess what? If you're trying to do what is right and live what is right, God will answer that prayer. You say, well, I don't see it. You don't have to worry about seeing it. You just continue to pray it. The inner life will be strengthened. There will be fruit that will be born. And you don't know years from now, people will say, you know, I've been watching you. And I can see that there's something different in you. What does the Bible say? That we should do good deeds? What? That they may glorify your Father in heaven. And he's talking about the unsaved world. What's that? That is fruit. It's more than just religion. It is fruit that is being produced. But how does this delivery come? How does this receiving come? It comes through persistent prayer. See, you need to have faith enough to continue in prayer. 
to be persistent in prayer. You need to keep on praying and praying and praying and praying. There are certain things that I've been praying for for years, and I'm seeing slowly God answer prayer. Well, slowly on my timetable. It's perfect timing on his timetable. But I'm seeing him answer prayer. After years of asking over and over and over and over again. Why? It's strengthening my faith. Do I really believe that God can do this? Do I really believe that God will do this? Do I really trust what his word says? Do I really have faith in an unchanging God that he will answer my prayer? And if I believe that, my inner life is going to be strengthened and then I will bear fruit. I'll be more than just an outward type of Christian. I will have strength in the inner man where I'm renewed day by day and others will be able to benefit from it. It's through persistence. So you need to keep allowing that faith to be strengthened. And the reason many times that so many Christians do not see answers to prayer, even though it's in accordance to God's will, is because they're just not persistent in prayer. It's like this. I remember hearing um, stories of great athletes like uh, my favorite basketball player is Michael Jordan. And it's probably the era that I grew up in. A lot of these younger guys, they like Kobe because that's the era that they grew up in. You know, they think he's the greatest or LeBron or whoever. And that's fine. They have every right to be wrong. <laughs> but I remember hearing stories about uh, you know, he, he, in high school or junior high, he got cut. His coach cut. What an idiot. I mean, I bet you that guy felt like a blooming idiot that you would cut Michael Jordan, you know. Um, uh, but he would, he would practice. And I hear about Larry Bird, how he would just get up early in the morning. He'd continue to shoot free throw after free throw. And, and you hear about, like, Michael Phelps, who, who would get in the pool. They'd get up 4.30 in the morning, and they'd be swimming all the time consistently. And, and they would just practice over and over and over again. And I'm thinking, okay, what drove them? There was a hunger. There was a desire. There was something. They wanted to be the best at their profession. They wanted to reach the ultimate height, the ultimate glory in their profession. And my friends, I believe that if you and I, we would have a greater hunger for the things of God, of wanting to bear fruit and to have his glory manifested in our life, we would do certain things. We would go to certain lengths. We would spend time in fasting and prayer. We would spend time on our knees begging God to do something in our life. Instead of just saying, oh God, I want you to be glorified. And we go on about our way. We throw up a petition and we never mention it again. We don't go through the hard time. We don't sacrifice maybe food or, or something else to be able to spend time with God and ask him to do something in our life so that fruit can be produced. We want an easy Christianity. We want a comfortable Christianity. We want it in an instant instead of working for it. And Jesus says we need to be persistent in it. It's amazing how a human being can be so hungry for the glory of man and for a simple gold medallion when we get to display the glory of God in our life by bearing fruit. And we just want to sit back in our easy chair, throw up a little prayer and say, God, I want you to be glorified in my life today. 
and we go on about our way. But friends, let me tell you something. You'll have as much of God's glory in your life and God in your life as time that you are willing to spend with him. Remember that. Nobody, nobody has a deep walk with God. Nobody. Think about your greatest Christian hero. Nobody has a deep walk with God that has a cavalier relationship with him. Nobody. Inward fruit comes through faith. Inward fruit comes through prayer. What type of Christianity do you have tonight? You're just a tree full of leaves. You look good. But on the inside, it's dead. Or are you a fruit-bearing Christian? And the wonderful thing is that every single one of us can be a fruit-bearing Christian. Every single one. Do yourself a favor. Don't compare your fruit to anybody else. You just bear the fruit that God's given you. But be a bearer of fruit. So what type of Christian are you? You say, Pastor, I'm all right with just having leaves on the tree. I'm all right just looking good. Yeah, I'm good with God. I know I'm going to heaven. I'm good. I'm all right with that. Are you really? Because I want you to think about this passage. Remember what Christ did to the tree. He cursed it. And it died. So if you're really comfortable with just being a leaf-bearing Christian, you've got your religiosity, you look good on the outside, just remember you're underneath the chastening hand of God. Because... The Word of God tells us that Jesus will inspect our life. He wants to see fruit. Where are you? Would you be able to say, here's the evidence of fruit in my life, or I've just been caught up in a cultural type of Christianity just going through the motions.